God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for this sweet time that we could spend to worship and praise you. And dear Lord, as we have gathered here to hear from your word, we pray that you may, that you may speak to us through your servant. And dear Lord, we pray that we may have a teachable heart, that we may not gain academic knowledge, but help us to gain wisdom and do your word, dear Lord. And help us, dear Lord, to grow more closer to you, that we may be more Christ-like in the coming days, dear Lord. We pray that we may be attentive to your word. And we ask this all in the precious and mighty and exalted name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, everybody. So I wanted to speak this morning on, uh, uh, I'm not going to expound on a passage, but rather speak on a topic, and that is the topic of loving other believers. And I was, as I was uh, dwelling on what, what I should speak about, I finished the series on, uh, through uh, Philippians and uh, wasn't quite ready to start another book just yet. Uh, just several things that were going on convinced me that, uh, uh, or at least the Spirit uh, convinced me that, that this is what I should speak about. You know, as elders, we, we get um, to uh, hear about a uh, lot of things, some of them good, some of them not so good, and, um, um, you know, positive and negative. And, uh, and it's interesting, in the last, um, you know, 10 days, I've seen uh, beautiful examples of believers loving other believers, but I've also seen examples of believers hurting other believers um, right in this very church. And very often we don't even realize that our actions, or sometimes it's not about our actions, but it's our lack of action, uh, how it is perceived by others, how, uh, you know, how it can be perceived as a lack of love, or how it can be perceived as, 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 a, as favoritism towards someone, or how it can be perceived as, as, as being neglectful, uh, of ourselves, and uh, and it is not something that uh, that is done intentionally. It is not something that is done out of malice, and yet uh, it can be hurtful, and it can hurt the church. And so I thought it's good for us to have a refresher on what does it mean to to love your fellow believer. What what is this love? You know, Jesus here in this passage that we uh, that that Steve read to us, he says, you know, this is the only. As far as I can, I guess there's two things that Jesus said, uh, you know, that he gave that were somewhat different, right? One was, of course, he told us that he gave a new practice, and that is a new ordinance, you can call it, uh, which is uh, to, uh, to, uh, to remember him in the emblems which we have done this morning. But the one thing that he gave, which was a new commandment, he said a new commandment, and he's, and he's speaking this to, to people who... Um, who knew all about the commandments. You know, they were used to the commandments. They were people of the commandments, people of the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, or thou shalt not. This is, this is what was, was, was given to them. And, uh, and yet Jesus himself, he looks at the law and he says, you know, the law is, is captured in these two statements, right? One is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the other is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you... Look at the Ten Commandments, you can split it into two parts exactly along those lines. And yet, when the Ten Commandments were given, um, you know, it, it doesn't say anything about 
uh, about express it in those terms of love. It is all in terms of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And, and Jesus says, I am giving you a new commandment uh, that you love one another as I have loved you. He set a standard for that new commandment. What was that standard? It is the same love that I have for you. I expect you to love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, he didn't say, all will know that you are my disciples if you obey all my commandments. But of course, we should obey his commandments. But the one marker that he said that people will know that you love one another, that you are my disciples is if you love one another. And yet when we look back at uh, you know, our own lives, our own experiences, um, you know, we all know this. You know, this is all very well known and we talk about it and we, uh, you know, we perhaps even desire it and yet it is something that is so difficult to, for us to make a reality in our lives, to love who? To love all believers, you know, not just some, not just the ones that we, uh, you know, we find to be lovable, not just the ones who are like us, but rather to love everyone. And, um, uh, you know, uh, that's what I want to look at this morning is to, to examine our own lives, to look at what does it mean practically? You know, how, how does this love um, need to manifest itself? What does the scripture tell us about how the nature of our love, the way that our love for our fellow believers should manifest itself? And when we look at scripture, we see what, what love he's talking about, right? First Corinthians 13 gives us a beautiful description. I'm not going to go through that. Let's just quote a couple of things from there. But it is this special kind of love called agape love, which is, of course, sacrificial love, self-sacrificial love, love that, 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 that loves the other just as yourself, a love that is willing to sacrifice your own needs for the needs of the other. And when we read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we don't see anything in there about emotion. You know, we don't see anything in there about emotion, which is what the world defines love as. The world um, sort of characterizes love as an emotion. You know, I love you or I love somebody. Uh, but rather it says things like, you know, love suffers long and is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Uh, love is not arrogant or puffed up. And love does not behave rudely. Uh, love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't keep uh, an account of evil. It doesn't keep account of the things, the bad things that are done to you, the evil things done to you. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Love does not rejoice in, in falsehood. Love does not rejoice in what is immoral. Uh, love bears all things. Love endures all things. So this is an unselfish love. It is a sacrificial love. Uh, it is a ki- this is the kind of love that we are called to have for our fellow believers. And what is the basis for this love? Let's turn to 1 John 3.23. Uh, first, uh, the epistle, the first epistle of John, chapter 3, and verse 23. <clears throat> and it says... Um, And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. So it is Christ's commandment. Very simple. Just as he did in, you know, John is here referring to what Christ told him and all the other disciples that we are to love one another as Christ 
has loved us. So we are, why are we to love each other? Very simple. It is a command of the Lord. You know, why are we to uh, get baptized? Uh, once we are saved, it is because it is the command of the Lord. Why are we to partake of the emblems? Because it is a command of the Lord. Why are we to live uh, according to the word of God? Because this is the Lord's command that we are to live according to his word. We are to practice his word. Christ's commandment. Very simple. There is no option. It is not an optional thing. You know, it is not something that you can pick and choose from a menu. You know, give me this, but don't give me that. Or give me a little of this and, and a lot of that. No. It's this command. You are to love one another. And then, secondly, we find in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 11, we are to, the basis for loving one another is because uh, love is who God is. You know, we are all familiar with this, uh, with this verse, but 1 John 4, 7 to 11 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. <clears throat> the basis for our loving other believers is because of the love that God has for us. It is because God himself is love. God is love as those verses tell us. And if God loved us so much, then how much more do we, uh, do we ought to love one another? And you know, if we have trouble loving our fellow believers, it, it just shows that we do not fully appreciate how much God has loved us. How much he loved us. We just remembered that this morning, you know, his, the, the magnitude of his love for us, it is beyond anything that we can, we can imagine. As, as Ben was telling us, before the foundation of the world, before we even sinned, you know, God being sovereign and knowing all things, he, he um, ordained for his son to come down and give his life for us. That's how much he loved us. You and me, every one of us. It wasn't that he loved, you know, it, it's not, it's a personal love. It is for each one of us. He saw each one of us, you know, before we were in the womb even. And he ordained that his son should come and shed his blood and suffer for our believers, uh, for, for, for everyone who comes to know him. And it says, and you know, what are the reasons why, uh, one more verse before we go to the reasons, but Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Uh, Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2 says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love as Christ also loved us. You know, you look at all the epistles. We studied the book of Philippians. You know, there's so much in there about loving each other and so much addressing this matter of disunity about lack of love among believers because this has been a problem you know, from the early days of the church and it continues to be a problem today. You know, we as human beings living in the flesh, we just, we just have our biases, we have our preferences, we have our uh, things that irritate us and, and when you put, uh, you know, a bunch of people coming from different backgrounds and different personalities and uh, it's inevitable that there's going to be issues and there's going to be problems and there's going to be challenges to loving each other and that is why 
uh, all of the epistles in all the writings of paul they emphasize this thing about walking in love and humbling yourself and submitting yourselves to one another and loving as christ loved you see this theme repeating again and again in every relationship in relationship between husband and wife and parents and children and and within the church and and elders and and uh, and uh, uh, the members of the church and and so on so we see this thing coming up again and again but what is the reason or what are the 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 outcomes that should come out of our loving our fellow believers why should we love our fellow believers beyond the fact that it is just a command i mean we should do it because it's a command we should need no other reason but but here are some of the the uh, the, the positive things that come out uh, when we love our fellow believer as christ has loved us uh, we see in john 13:35 so that we we already read that so that others may know that we are his disciples you know that we may be a testimony for christ this is the 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 one thing that he identified he said this is the thing that i want people outside to see and say they are uh, the believers they are the followers of of me followers of christ you know so we are to be a testimony when we love each other we are a, a better testimony for christ so that others may know that we are his disciples secondly it's christ desire is that his followers love each other right we already saw all those all those verses i'm not going to go to them again in romans 13:8 it says that loving others fulfills the law of god you know all the laws are encapsulated in this thing you know love the lord your god and love uh, your neighbor as yourself thirdly it gives cause for thankfulness to other believers when they witness our love for each other you know when we see a, a group of believers who are loving each other you know with no boundaries uh, that gives us cause for thanksgiving that helps us to mature spiritually ephesians chapter 1 in verse 15 and 16 Ephesians 1 verse 15 and 16 Paul is praying for the uh, the believers in Ephesus and he says therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers So Paul is saying I do not cease it it is a cause for me to thank God because your love because of your love for all the saints you know it gives cause for thankfulness and then uh, Colossians 1 we see the same thought we move over to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4 again Paul says we give thanks to God to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel why does he give thanks to god and father of our lord jesus christ praying for them because since we heard of your faith in christ jesus and of your love for all the saints so you see that you know when there is love it it just results in thanksgiving you know and praise and worship to god and then um, you know it is also a measure of our practical purity it is a measure of the holiness in our life we see this in first thessalonians chapter 3 first thessalonians 3 and verse 12 and 13 first thessalonians 3 12 and 13 and may the lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so note that increase and abound in love to one another so that he may establish your hearts 
blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So he's praying here again for the church at Thessalonica and he prays that the Lord may increase and abound uh, their love. You know, that, that they, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. The Lord may increase their love for one another. Why? So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. You know, to not love your fellow believer, your brother or sister in Christ, is, is to, uh, you know, attribute blame to yourself, right? So it is, it is a measure of our practical purity. It is a measure of holiness in our lives. When we have a hard time loving somebody, anybody, any brother or sister in Christ, that is a sign that there is unholiness in our life. At least that's the way that the Lord views it. That's what this verse tells us. And finally, you know, it is an evidence of our new life in Christ. Let's go back to First John. And, for, and John uh, doesn't mince any words here. He's very clear. First John 3 and verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should... Love one another. We should love one another. Let's go to verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. Okay, we know that we have passed from death to life. That is obviously speaking of salvation. How? Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. First John 4, 20 and 21 first john 4 20 and 21 if someone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar what is he lying about he's lying about the part that says i love god you cannot love god uh, say that you love god truthfully and hate your brother for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love god whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him that he who loves god must love his brother also. And then finally, Galatians 5.22, I'm not going to turn there, but what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Huh? The first one, love, right? First one is love. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is evidence of our new life in Christ. And when someone has a hard time, you know, loving his fellow brothers or he hates his brothers in Christ, one has to seriously question whether, uh, whether the, the Lord Jesus Christ really dwells in his, in his heart. And John like I said, he doesn't mince any words. He's very clear. You know, if you do not love your brother, then you are like a murderer. And, one, and it's very sobering words that we need to look into our own hearts and ask ourselves, you know, am I... Uh, and, and very often, you know, it's not, uh, it's not that we, we, we actually come out and say that we hate somebody. But very often, some of our actions or our lack of actions can, can, can come across as, as not really showing love to our brother and sister in Christ. And I want us to think about this and as we go through, you know, what I want to do this morning is just look at a few very, very practical uh, aspects of loving other believers. We'll, we'll hit a few, about a dozen points here uh, very quickly uh, on, on what does the scripture tell us uh, about the way that we should love our fellow brother and our fellow sister in Christ, about, uh, you know, the kind of things that should be manifest outwardly when we have that love in our hearts towards each other. So we'll start looking one by one are these practical aspects of loving Christ or loving other believers as Christ has loved us. So first of all, you know, we see in Romans 12, 9, that our love must be sincere. Let's turn over there. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. 
If anyone gets it first, you can read it out loud. Romans 12 and 9. Yeah, love, let love be without hypocrisy. Okay, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be sincere. You know, First Peter one twenty two also says that love each other, uh, love for each other is to be sincere. It is to be with a pure heart. You know, uh, we must ask ourselves how sincere is our love. Very often we can we can claim to love somebody, we can say that we love somebody, but is the sincerity really there? You know, is it just saying it in words because, uh, you know, we know that it's the right thing to do, it's what is, what is expected of us, and, and no one would, uh, you know, people would probably be shocked if we actually came out and said that, you know, I don't love this person, or I don't, uh, you know, or I hate this person, or, or whatever uh, might be on our mind. But our love must be sincere, okay? We must be sin- sincerely loving. If there's, if there's somebody that you sincerely cannot say that you love them, then, you know, we need to get on our knees and ask the Lord to, to give us that capacity, give us that, that, that desire to love them. And we need to find ways to love them and to do so sincerely. And we'll see in a few minutes what, what are some of the things that we need to do, uh, you know, to show that sincere love, to, to have evidence of that sincere love. And that's what the second point is, is that our love in First John 3 and verse 18, uh, we see that our love must be in deed and not just in word. First John 3. So sincere love manifests itself in deeds and not just in words. So First John 3 and verse 18, I'll read it here. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So love is not just an emotion, as I said earlier. You know, love is not just something that you say in your words. Love is not just, you know, uh, taking flowers to your wife, for example, you know, on her birthday or... Uh, buying something for your husband on his birthday. Love goes far beyond that. Sincere love goes far beyond that. It is to be manifested in our day-to-day deeds that we do for somebody. It must manifest itself in tangible actions uh, towards those that we love. To love indeed means that you've got to go beyond the superficial. It means that you've got to meet their needs. And to know to meet their needs, you have to first know their needs. You know, I would I would ask you how many, you know, we have a lot of people here but if you make an effort, you know, you can get to know most of the people, you know. Uh, we, we, can, we can find out and know what their needs are. And, and uh, you know, there, and, and, and thankfully I see so many examples of true love in word and in deed uh, right here in this church. But we need to see more of that. You know, all of us need to be having a desire to love our brother and sister in the church, the local church where God has placed us to, so that we understand their needs and we are willing to go above and beyond to meet those needs. You know, just this, this last week, I, had a, uh, I saw a beautiful example, you know, two, involving two people in this church who, who I, will, I will not name them, uh, obviously, but, uh, but just such a beautiful example. You know, there was one brother who hadn't come for, for some time to the church and another brother inquired about him and found out that, that nobody had heard from him, his parents hadn't heard from him for, for, for several days and they were worried about him and he hadn't, he hadn't gone uh, you know, to the places that he normally would go and uh, he, he informed me that this was going on and then he went there, he tried to find him and you know, I gave him some thoughts around that and he went to his, to his uh, home, uh, knocked on the door and found this other brother there uh, with, with severe pain in his leg, not able to get out of bed. 
for several days his phone had broken so he wasn't able to call anybody uh, what a beautiful example of love and you know we talked about it and he offered to take him to the doctor uh, but they worked that out and then he checked on him every day making sure that he was okay uh, until he was completely restored to health you know these are things that we never see but this is what practical love looks like you know and how would he have even known that this brother needed it if he hadn't uh, thought about it if he hadn't kept track of the fact that he hadn't been coming for a while and he hadn't noticed it and he had that care and love to inquire from him and and just as he was trying to inquire from him he got he got a, a message from the parents of this person saying we haven't heard from him for so many days can both of them are here today what a what a beautiful example practical love it must be indeed it's not enough to say i love you brother it is it requires us to go out and do things and to do that we have to know we have to be in touch we have to be involved in each other's life beyond just coming here on a sunday morning and saying hello how are you and talking about the weather and other things and your job no you need to have that that relationship where which goes much deeper it's not just superficial it's not just scratching the surface it's a relationship that allows a believer to share their very burdens with you and me and and seek our help and 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 be able to make themselves vulnerable before us and ask for that help and when they see love in action then that relationship and that bond grows and you can imagine how powerful that can be love must be in word and not just uh, indeed and not just in word third point is that you know true love requires us to give honor and preference to others uh, let's go back to the book of romans chapter 12 romans 12 and verse 10 Romans 12 and 10 says be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love okay and here he explains what brotherly love is he says in honor giving preference to one another in honor giving preference so love true love gives honor and preference to others it's very difficult to do because you know we all have egos you know we all have our own lives we all have our own things to do uh but true brotherly love requires us to honor others above ourselves it requires us to put other believers and their needs first and you can see that all of these things sort of tied together you know when you put the needs of others first when you honor them when you give preference to them you will sacrifice that's what the sacrificial aspect of love is you sacrifice your own comfort you sacrifice your own needs maybe you have something to do that's more important but you give that up to go there to meet the need of your fellow brother in Christ give honor and preference this is the opposite of selfishness you know love 1 Corinthians 13 agape love is not selfish it is not selfish it looks out for the interests of the other above my own interest fourth point love does not harm others let's go back to romans chapter 13 and verse 10 romans 13 and verse 10 love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law you know that whole that whole second part of the law is around loving your neighbor as yourself and that's what he says here love does no harm to a neighbor you know how often the things that we say to each other about other believers can cause harm to them you know we have sometimes no qualms about talking negatively about each other to to a third party you know about tearing them down about saying well you know about this and this do you did you see what she did or did you see what he did or or here's what happened with him and 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 tearing each other down 
harming their reputation, harming their testimony. Instead of dealing with it, we'll talk about that a little later in one of the points. But, you know, it is so harmful to the church when we gossip about each other. You know, gossip is nothing more than, than doing harm, seeking to do harm deliberately. You know, we may think that, you know, that, that we're not, but that's really what you're doing. You're tearing uh, the other person down in the eyes of, of their fellow believers. But true love does not harm others. It does not talk to others negative things about each other. You know, there's a very good definition that I've heard about gossip. You know, sometimes we wonder what is gossip, what is not. You know, some people don't go and talk to the elders about something, the problems, because they think they're gossiping. You know, a very simple definition of gossip. You know, if, if you are not part, if you're sharing something with someone who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then that's gossip. Okay? Sharing with the elders because they need to get involved in a problem going on in the life of someone is not gossip because they are part of the solution. All right? But sharing it with a believer who has nothing to do with this problem, who has nothing to do, is not equipped in any way or, or uh, you know, have the authority to go and try to solve the problem, that's gossip. That's doing nothing more than trying to harm that fellow believer. Love does not harm others. Let's move on to the next point. Galatians 5 13 uh, and 14. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So love involves serving other believers. We are to serve one another in love, meet the needs of other believers. We already talked about that, right? Practical love. Hebrews 6, uh, 10. Let's just turn there as well. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. What is the labor of love? That they minister to the saints. And again, you know, in Matthew 20, I'm not going to turn there, Verses 25 to 28, Jesus set the example. You know, when he said the Son of Man came to, not to be served, but to serve. So we ought to follow that example. So to love means to serve one another, to serve your fellow believer, to be a servant to them. Sometimes it's so difficult because of our egos, but that's what we are called to do. That's the kind of love that we are called to do. Ephesians chapter 4 I'm just going through these very quickly so that we can get through all of them. But Ephesians chapter 4, the next point, we are to forbear with other believers. And forbear simply means that we are to be patient and we are to be forgiving. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 says, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of their calling, of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, that is with patience, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. We all have so many things in which we are one. And he says you are to, um, with long-suffering, that is with patience, bearing with one another in love. We are to bear, we are to forbear with one another. And sometimes it's so difficult to do, to be patient. You know, some believers can be extremely irritating, you know, by their nature, by their actions. 
you know, you can be reaching out to someone and they can rebuff you. They don't want to deal with you sometimes. But it says, you know, your love should constrain you to be patient. Your love should constrain you to bear with them, to put up with their idiosyncrasies, to not push them away, uh, you know, because they might be pushing you away. But to be patient and to bear with them. You know, how bearing are we of our fellow believers? How forgiving are we? There's an, there's an angle of forgiveness in this, in this matter. You know, sometimes you might be reaching out to somebody again and again and again, and, and they may not be responding, but we got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it because you love them. You got to keep seeing that person as someone for whom Christ died just as he died for you, someone whom Christ loves just as much as he loved you. And someone who probably needs you and that's and they don't even realize it. They need your love. God, keep forgiving. Keep forgiving slights. Keep forgiving irritations. Keep forgiving those times when they say, I don't want to have anything to do with you or leave you alone. Go after them. Be patient with other believers. Love forbears with other believers. The next point is that we have to be like-minded and of one accord. And we find this in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What is the love he's talking about? He's talking about, he says, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. He's saying, if you have been loved by Christ, if you have been comforted by the love of Christ for you, and all of us have and are being comforted and, 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 and enjoying that love of Christ, we are to have the same love. We are to be like-minded with our fellow believers. Have the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. You know, very often we are not like-minded with our fellow believers because, you know, we just don't approach things from the same biblical perspective. Rather, we seek to push our own, sometimes our own worldly opinions on each other. You know, that's why it's so important that, that we are all maturing together so that, we are, so that we become more like-minded. You know, when believers are maturing, then their thinking starts to, starts to converge and they start thinking along the same lines. You know, you don't have to go and tell somebody, you know, doing this is, is bad for you. You know, because they understand that. You know, and, and all they need is somebody to sort of remind them and maybe explain to them why. But we are to be like-minded. And that only happens when we grow together. And it says here, again in further, reading further, it says, let nothing uh, be done, verse 3, Philippians 2, nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you Look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We have to esteem others better than ourselves. We have to put their interests above our own interests. And that is what he's saying, that we are to be like-minded and of one accord. We are not to have, you know, big differences in the way we approach life. And yet, how often that is the case. And that is because, you know, we are not growing together. It's because we are not helping each other grow in the Lord. And we don't have that same love. Next point is that we are to pray for, for our other believers. Romans 15, verse 30. Romans 15, verse 30. We are to pray for one another. Very simple verse here. It says, Romans 15 and verse 30. 
Now I beg you brethren. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the love of the spirit. That you strive together with me. In prayers to God for me. And Paul is using himself as an example. And he's saying. Please pray for me. You know pray for me. That I may be delivered from those in Judah. And he's praying. He's asking for specific prayer. You know that I may be delivered from those in in Judea who do not believe and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and that I may come to you with joy and may be refreshed together with you. Now may the, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. You see how he just, he doesn't just say pray for me. You know, it's not like, you know, pray for Pradeep. You know, Lord, I pray for Pradeep. Well, what about Pradeep? Right? I need to know uh, what is it that he needs? What are his struggles? What is it that he is going through? You know, Paul is telling them, pray for this and this and this and this. You know, pray that I, my ministry would be effective. Pray that when I come to you, I'll be refreshed. Pray that the, 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 the contribution I'm taking to the saints in Jerusalem would be acceptable to them. And he's engaging his fellow believers in the church uh, in Rome, uh, the fellow believers in Rome, uh, in prayer with him. We are to pray. When we love someone, you know, we'll pray for him. Let me ask you, you know, how many people in the church do you pray for? You know, if you want a list of everybody in the church, you know, we are happy to provide that to you. You know, it's, 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 it's not that difficult to pray for everybody in the church. I pray for most of you. You know, I, I wish I could say all of you, but almost all of you, you know, almost every day. All right? Uh, it's not like a long prayer or anything, but some of you, I know what your specific needs are. Some of you, uh, you might not have shared it, but I know what your needs are uh, because of what I observe. Uh, and I pray for those things. You know, and, 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 you know, when we, some of us men, we meet together, try to meet together once in a month and we go through every single person and we pray for you. Uh, we need to be a praying church. You know, it, it, is a, it is a sign of our love for each other, that we are praying for each other. You know, we need to come to those, to those fasting and prayer sessions and fast and pray for each other. To pray, we need to understand the needs. It requires more, again, just as I said earlier, more than a superficial relationship. Next point very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You know, it's not about knowledge, but it's about love. You know, and, and if we love one another, we will edify and we will encourage our fellow believers. Love edifies. Love builds up. Are we even looking to build up our fellow believers? You know, all of us have the capacity to build somebody up. There's somebody out there, out here, you know, who is not as mature as you are. And there's somebody who is more mature than you. You know, find both of those. You know, find somebody to edify and find somebody to be edified by. You know, if you are a Paul, it says, be a Paul, find a Timothy. I heard someone say once, be a Timothy, find a Paul. We need to edify and that's what the uh, what the word of god says that that you know the older sisters are to teach the younger sisters and he tells them what they are to teach you know the older men the the younger men are to learn from the older men and that's not talking about age it's talking about spiritual maturity love edifies and encourages uh, other believers if we love our fellow believer then we will have a desire a burning desire to build them up in the lord spiritually and we will do things we will bring them into environments which will ensure them we will encourage them to come to the cell groups we will encourage them to attend all those groups that we have so that they may grow spiritually 
and, and that is how you show your love to them. And then 2 Corinthians 2.4 When you love somebody, you will correct them in love. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 2, 4 says, For out of much affliction, anguish, and of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Paul's referring here to the strong uh, injunctions that he gave to the Corinthian believers in the first letter there. He was very harsh with them uh, by, by, by normal standards. And he says that I, did, I wrote this with many tears. I did it out of love. He says that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Loving a believer doesn't mean letting them you know, go on their way and get, do whatever they want. It means that when you see a believer going down the wrong path, it means that you confront them in love. Or you engage others to confront them in love. And you correct them. You know, we need to be... But that goes both ways. As believers, we need to be willing to accept the correction from our fellow believers. And recognize that they're doing it not... Uh, not out of spite for us, not out of, uh, you know, trying to put us down, but because they love us, because they see that we are going down the wrong path. And you need to do that. You need to make sure that those who are going down the wrong path uh, uh, get the help that they need. You need to bring those problems out to the right people so that they can intervene. You know, sometimes we feel like, you know, we should be quiet about these kind of problems. And so many instances I can think of where people didn't bring it up, people who knew. And as a result, that brother, that sister ended up in, in deep, deep problems that were so difficult to deal with. It could have been much easier if it had been dealt with early on, uh, you know, when, when somebody spotted them going down the wrong path. So love uh, edifies and encourages, but it also corrects other believers when needed. And let's also go to Second Corinthians again, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Continuing the same theme, he says, This punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man, so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. He's talking about a brother who was disciplined by the church, and, he, and he's saying that if you love him, you must restore him because he has repented. So there's correction and there's restoration. You know, sometimes you know, in our churches, we... We correct people or somebody has to be corrected. Sometimes they have to be corrected publicly, uh, you know, as, as scripture calls for. Uh, but very often they repent and when they are restored publicly, you know, we don't, uh, we don't deal with them the same anymore. You know, we have that thing in the back of our minds, it's like this brother or this sister has done this thing, you know. And, and so we are aloof from them. And we don't even recognize that's happening. And sometimes they might be aloof. They may not respond to your overtures to them. But you need to go after them. You need to especially show those believers who have repented and are restored into fellowship that you love them and that you are there for them and that you care for them and that you are praying for them and that you are there to support them as they continue their walk. Love restores believers who repent. The next point is that we give. If you love somebody, you will give to the needs of the believers. And I'll just uh, pick one, uh, one verse here. There are so many passages we could go to. First John 3. Uh, verse 17, 1 John 3 and verse 17. It says, But whatever, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, if your brother has needs, material needs, you know, physical needs, and you have it with you, how can you shut 
your eyes to that need? How can you shut your mind to that need? You know, how willing are we to meet the needs of our fellow believers? This is, this is very clearly an evidence of how much we love them. You know, those who have plenty. And I just love the amount of generosity in this church and how all of you just, you know, willing to jump up as soon as some need is brought to you and, and collect. And that's just wonderful. But we need to perpetuate that. All of us need to have that kind of love for our fellow believer. You give without expecting anything in return. Uh, we need to uh, use the blessings, the material blessings that God has given us to bless other believers. Uh, you know, people, uh, how often we just spend things on our own pleasures that we don't need to. You know, I was just checking Facebook this morning. Uh, an old friend of mine posting a picture of his mountain house somewhere in the United States. And I had to ask myself, why does this guy need a mountain house? You know, how much money is he spending on this? There's so many needs out there to bless people, to bless, to, to, to provide for ministry. You know, and we are busy having second houses and third houses and mountain houses and lake houses. You know, I hope nobody here has one, but if you do, that's okay. <laughs> why do you need more than one house to live in? Seriously. We need to think about these things, you know. The best investment of your money is not the bank. It is not a piece of ground in Bangalore or anywhere else. It is in the Lord's work. It is investing in eternity. There is no better investment. Finally, loving other believers, the ultimate. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. By this we know love because Christ laid down his life for us. And look at the next sentence. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Loving other believers means willing to go all the way. Willing to go to the extent of dying for your fellow believers. That's the ultimate, the ultimate evidence of love. You know, Jesus loved us so much. He did so much for us. And yet, that ultimate evidence of his love was when he went to the cross. And he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And he committed his spirit and he gave up his life. The ultimate evidence is our willingness to die for them. We, may not be, we might not be called to die, but are you willing to die? It's the same standard of love for our fellow believers that the Lord Jesus had for us. This is the word of God. It's not my words. You know, I love this quote from the chapter for the men's meeting. Today we are, we are studying this, uh, this chapter in the, in the William MacDonald book, uh, Disciples Manual. It says, when love ceases to bleed, I hope those of you who read it noticed this, when love ceases to bleed, it ceases to bless. When love ceases to bleed, it ceases to bless. We need to be willing to love to the extent that we can bleed you know, we can even give our life. We have to be willing to go to that extent for our fellow believer. That is the kind of love that the world will notice. You know, you look at all the, uh, the, the martyrs and, and the things that have happened when the church of God has mushroomed. It's when believers were willing to give their own lives for them, they, you know, who are under persecution or give their lives for the sake of others. You know, dealing with believers requires heavenly wisdom. You know, how, how do we measure... If our wisdom, I was just reading this week from the uh, book of James, and I'll, I'll close with this uh, uh, 
uh, book of James chapter 3 verse 15. Get there quickly. James chapter 3 and verse 15 through 18. It says, um, this wisdom, it's talking about heavenly wisdom and demonic wisdom. Okay, This wisdom, that is, uh, he's talking now about, uh, about uh, demonic wisdom or wisdom of the world. It does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then general, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. All of these things go along with what I just talked about this morning, love. You know, how do you know that you're dealing with your fellow believers in wisdom? You know, look at the outcomes. What kind of outcome is there? Is it the outcome envy? Is it self-seeking? Um, you know, is it confusion? Uh, is it evil? Or rather, is it gentle? Is it producing peace? Is there peace between me and my brother and my sister? Is, am I, is, it, is it involved willingness by each other to yield to the other? Is it involved fullness of mercy? Is it involved producing good fruits? Is it sincere? That's how you know whether you are acting in the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God requires heavenly wisdom. We need to ask for heavenly wisdom. And earlier in James he says if you don't, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and let him ask without doubting. How much love do each of us have for our fellow believers? What kind of love do we have for our brothers and sisters? Is it a sincere love? Is it a love in deed and not just in word? Is it a love that gives honor and preference to others? Is it a love that does not do harm? By, the, by our actions, by our words, by what we say about them to others? Is it a love that involves serving our fellow believers? Is it a love that is patient in dealing with them, forbearing, forgiving for the things that they might do that are wrong? Is it a love that is like-minded and where we are of one accord? Is it a love uh, you know, that involves praying for each other? How much time do we spend praying for each other? Is it a love where we seek to edify and encourage them? And we are willing to correct and to accept correction. Where we are willing to restore and love them the same. Love them even more. You know, love the repentant believer even more. Show them that they are part of the family and how they are accepted back. And just as God has forgiven them of their sins, so we too have forgiven them. Think about that. Is it a love where we, are, where, where we give financially to help them in their material needs? Liberally we give. Are we willing to go so far as to lay down our lives for our fellow believers? Are we willing to bleed for our fellow believer? Where love ceases to bleed, it ceases to bless. Is our life, is our love blessing other people? How many people are being blessed by our love, by our sacrificial love? That they can see that and they can point to that. And they can be drawn to the Savior, to, to, have, to a closer and closer relationship with the Lord. May we examine our standard of love. Maybe examine you know, how we're living our lives. Maybe examine our relationship with every believer that is around us. You know, get to know people that you don't know. Understand them. Be there for them. Know their needs. Pray for them. Love them. Edify them. Teach them. And love them sacrificially. I trust that the Lord will direct our hearts in this manner. 
and that our love as a church for each other may increase more and more. And I know that we will all be blessed when that happens. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for reminding us of this commandment, Lord, the commandment of our Savior, that you love each other as I have loved you. And by this may all men know that you are my disciples. Lord, forgive us, Lord, for our actions or our lack of actions, Lord, that have not shown forth that we are your disciples because we have not loved our brother or we have not loved our sister or we've had uh, ill feelings toward a brother or sister for whatever reason. I pray, Lord, that if there is any such case here, any such situation, Lord, that that brother and that sister might today, Lord, go and confess that they might be broken about it, that they might repent and confess so that that relationship might be might be restored. Lord, I want to pray for any, Lord, maybe some who are not even here today. And maybe the reason they're not here today, Lord, is because they feel a lack of love, because they feel neglected. Maybe they feel that people are treating them different. Maybe they've been through a difficult time in their lives. Lord, I just want to pray, Father, that you will that you will prompt the hearts of other believers, Lord, here to reach out to them. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would give that prompting. For we do not want any here, Lord, to feel left out. We do not want any here to feel isolated or neglected. We want, Father, this church to be one where love abounds and love excels. Lord, that we would be known by people around for our love for each other. And we pray, Lord, that many would be attracted to our Savior when they see this love. Lord, we give you all the glory and the praise and I pray, Lord, that these words would touch our hearts and prompt us, Lord, to, uh, to uh, action in our lives. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.